0: them and uh, for some reason I, th- I think, uh, I, I don't know, just I think it took, took me a while to really listen to properly appreciate this song because um, uh, I, I don't know I, I think the, the, the music video I think distracted me from it too much which is uh, yeah
1: it's a really enjoyable song to listen to and it's also got a really empowering message you know this whole uh, I, just, I just know that something good is gonna happen I don't know when but saying, it could even make it happen mm-hmm. and although it can be seen as kind of a sad thing, sad thing from the point of view of the sun i think it's a really beautiful at least for me because i tend to be a quite a cynical person so listening to her and i'm like when kate bush is telling you that things are going to be all right maybe things are going to be all right yeah
2: The music of Kate Bush. I'm Cecily Link, and this week we're going to be talking about the final track from Side One of Hounds of Love the wonderful Cloud Busting. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the show. This week, we have two guests for this episode. We have... Uh,
0: it's almost final.
2: And a first person on the show. He is one of my Patreon supporters, and his name
1: is... Paul. Hello. I'm so glad to be on the show. I know. And Yeah, I'm 18. <laughs> I'm from Berlin, and yeah, I'm really happy to be on the show. And that's something like the show even exists, so pretty cool. <laughs> Shout out to my host, <laughs>
2: So yeah, you've been you've been a, a Patreon supporter for a couple of months. So of course, thank you so much for supporting the show.
1: It's it's really cheap, so everyone listening go support the show because it's important.
2: <laughs> <laughs> now, in talking with these two guests, the first question I usually ask people is, "Why is insert name a song your favorite Kate Bush song or one of your favorite Kate Bush songs?" And what I found was that both of these guests had some really cool things to say about their history of the song. First, we'll hear from Tomer. Here's what he had to say.
0: I just like it. I just basically think it's uh, good. Um, I've heard it before. Uh, um, before I started really listen, seriously listening to all of the albums and stuff, uh, I did listen to, to a lot of the singles, most of them uh, uh, with the uh, music videos, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and cloud busting was one of them, and uh, for some reason I th- I think uh, I I don't know just I think it took took me a while to really to properly appreciate this song because um, uh, I I don't know, I I think the, the the music video I think distracted me from it too much which is uh, yeah like um, that's a point against. Again, some music videos which has like been made over here. Like, mm-hmm. um, uh, Ruan, um, uh, another another, um, common guest on your on your show said that that a lot of the reason she likes uh, the second side of the Dreaming is because almost none of the so- of the songs in there, um, have have any music videos. It's good for the title track, mm-hmm. um, so she can imagine what what they're like and like, um. And uh, stuff, and that, that's the point I really agree with. In, in this case, uh, the music video is great. I have nothing against it, but I, 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 think it took took me a while to like properly pay the attention, pay the song the attention it it requires from from listening until until like a long time was unknown, and so it kind of like sat aside for me. Like there's this, uh, you know, this w- well known, uh, well known, but just kind of okay song that just uh has this uh, very fairly memorable music video um
2: and now here's what paul had to say so you and i have kind of gone back and forth a little bit like how you you're a young fan like me you know you discovered her through the yeah. internet like i did and so yeah we did yeah so what is I know the history, but what uh, tell the listeners what your history is with Kate and how you discovered her, and also your kind of your history with this song and why it's a favorite.
1: Well, so I discovered her by listening to this woman, uh, to this woman, this woman's work, like on YouTube. Um, it was featured in a drag show, and I was really like, "What's that song?" And like for a couple of weeks, I was just listening to the song, and I was like well, that's nice, but I don't need any more artists to stand because I just listen to way too much music. <laughs> but then I felt like maybe I should check her out. And then I started talking to my dad, and he's also a, a fan of hers. And he was like, oh, finally, you're getting interested in her. And I was like, I mean, is it too late? Like, I'm only 16. Like, can I get time? And then, I mean, <laughs> I, I started listening to House of Love, and, well, here I am on a podcast talking about her. <laughs> So yeah, it was really kind of the Hounds of Love was the record that got me into her. I think it's for most people because it's way more accessible than other stuff. And it's not my favorite record of her, but yeah, I'm really glad I did it, And now I'm in the game for like two and a half years now. And I'm still happy to be on it. Although I'm kind of like, can we get a new album? But this is another discussion. Of course, that.
2: So, what is it about busting that makes it one of your favorite Kate Bush songs?
1: I think it's in so many ways. I mean, when we look at the first line, like, I still dream of Organon. Uh, I think it's really talking about this deep, deep longing for something that is gone. And I don't know, as I'm entering adulthood, it's kind of like a thing that's really got to me that there are certain times in our life that, we as people cannot get back even though we want it so badly so and also it's a really enjoyable song to listen to and it's also got a really empowering message you know this whole uh, i just i just know that something good is going to happen i don't know when but just saying it could even make it happen mm-hmm. and although it can be seen as kind of a sad thing sad thing from the point of view of the sun but we'll talk about that later on i think it's a really beautiful, at least for me, because I tend to be a quite a cynical person. So listening to her and I'm like, when Kate Bush is telling you that things are going to be all right, maybe things are going to be all right.
3: Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. You believe her. What? You believe every word she's singing.
1: I don't know, but she's a good person and I love her art. So why not put my trust into her <laughs> when I have struggles to put trust somewhere else? Yeah. Mm
3: hmm.
2: Yeah, and of course we'll get to talk about like the story of the song, but it's like those lines you were mentioning, I just know that something good is going to happen. That yes, it's on the one hand, it's very it's tied to this very specific story of the song, but like on the other yeah. hand, it could be you could just use it for whatever you have going on, and certainly I know I have.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's what I also love about her music in general. You know, I got a quote on a copy of How To Be Invisible from the author of it, like David Mitchell, it's like one paradox about Kate is that while her lyrics are broadly are Id- idiosyncratic, those same lyrics evoke emotions and sensations that feel universal. And I really think you can see it with that song, with this song, because like it's such a specific story about this son and his like father that was a scientist and like the whole thing with the government, but still... People can relate to the song, although the story is so oddly specific.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and
1: that's, I think, a quality about her, that she chose those specific stories and still gets you to feel something. Which is a thing that is also mentioned in Under the Ivy. Shout out to Under the Ivy. Yes. Uh, <laughs> that's <laughs> wonderful. I mean, I haven't read another biography, but most people say it's the best one about her. So I trust those people. And it's like that Kate, although she's very interested in like intellectual themes, it's always about what evokes emotions and what it makes you feel listening to it. And that's a great, great quality about her. So what's your his so what do you feel when you listen to the song like
4: you, well, you also
1: started Yeah?
4: So listening
1: to Hounds of Love first, right?
2: Um it was the various songs from Hounds of Love are some of the first Kate songs that I heard and I heard I heard it through the internet um in my case it was a radio station called Flashback Alternatives and Flashback Alternatives is an online radio station I think it's based in Canada I'm not sure and they play 80s music But it's the more obscure stuff. You're not going to hear as many (laughs) of the big hits. And so usually for me, with 80s music, the more obscure, the better. And I heard a lot of Kate Bush on Flashback Alternatives. And I know at some point I heard this song, Cloudbusting. I for sure heard Running Up That Hill, because I heard Running Up That Hill a couple of times, and eventually that was like my gateway into, like I talked about in the episode. The gateway to Yeah, it was like my gateway to to the rest of Kate Bush and I, where I started to, it started to really grow on me and hounds of love. I, I know I heard the title track and for sure I would have heard cloud busting, but at the time I would have turned down the volume cause I couldn't really stand her. I could not stand her voice. I really, couldn't yeah, I
1: remember to. that yeah. <laughs> you, you mentioned that, but I think it's so interesting because her her voice is already kind of lower on hounds of love. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like, well, What about violin? What would you have thought about a song like that (laughs) from that point of view? Oh,
2: violin. I would have been like, okay, that's just, hate to use this S word, screeching would have turned it down. (laughs) And
1: how did you change your mind? Can you remember what um, made the difference when you finally got it?
2: When I finally got it, I remember I was in my dorm room and I had on Flashback Alternatives. This was like my... Sophomore year of college, so this was... Okay. Would have been probably 2004, 2005-ish. And something about running up that hill that time just really grabbed me. And at that time, it was hard to find Kate's music online. Like, iTunes was not nearly the juggernaut that it is now. And, well, Apple, of course, is going to start phasing that out later this year in 2019. (laughs) I'm like, ah! But... I remember yeah. holding a tape recorder up to the speakers of my computer because oh, I wanted the song, God. and you couldn't find it in the U.S. And then eventually, I came to, um, I came to get the whole album "Hounds of Love," and for a while, "Running Up the Hill" was my absolute favorite Kate Bush song because it, it was it was catchy and it had a deep message, and it just I loved it. But then over time, cloud busting. Really snuck up on me. It, I liked it as it, soon. Still, I, your
1: favorite song, right?
2: Yeah, this is actually my absolute favorite K-pop song now. And when I try to think about like why it's my absolute favorite K-pop song and why I just love this song so much, it's it's a lot of different things. It's the fact that she's using unusual subject matter, she's writing about... Um, as always. Yeah, as always. Like, And, and it's also <laughs> that she's writing it from a male point of view, which is not uh, something that a lot of female singer-songwriters do. Or even just singer-songwriters in general, like speaking from an opposite-gender point of view. I know even in my own music... I have written a few songs from a male point of view, but it's not a very common thing because I'm usually writing about like my mental health or whatever kind of stuff like that. Wow. So it's the <laughs> okay. subject matter, it's the uh, the the viewpoint, it's the music, like it, that's just a dum 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 dum. It feels like a march. Yeah, it's, just it's like, really catchy. Yeah, and it's, and just it's going
1: like, on and on, it gets, it it mm-hmm. gets more intense from a second to second. And I also think it's a topic right up her alley, like, it's talking about a complicated human relationship, like there are some supernatural elements to it, Yes. and it's kind of a bittersweet story because you get no real happy ending, so that's why you get to feel it when you mm-hmm. listen to it. You're like, oh, that's sad, but also there's something beautiful in that sad story. Yeah.
2: And then, so, like, over time, this the song eventually just, Yeah. I kept going back to it, and I especially loved the ending, the yay, yay, yo's. You just, you can't help but just sing along with that. <laughs> and and yeah. it just, eventually it became my favorite Kate Bush song. And there was no one real moment I can say where I went, oh my God, this is a favorite. What kind of, although maybe what cemented it for me as a favorite song was in, I think it would have been 2014, so in 2014, oh, okay. I decided I decided to try out for The Voice. Um, oh, oh, wow. They were doing auditions in uh, Washington, yeah. D.C., which is about three, okay. four hours north of where I live. Yeah, the U.S. is okay. huge. Um, and yeah. <laughs> I, deci- I was trying to decide what song I was going to audition with. And I was between two songs. I was between cloud busting or soul meets body by death Cat for cutie Mm -hmm. i was i almost went with soul meets body but something about cloud busting i felt like that spoke to me a lot more and i remember like i i didn't even make it through i didn't make it through nobody in my group made it through but just Mm -hmm. i had that experience of at least trying it and i was singing my favorite kate bush song and so that song, I felt to me, really gave me strength to just try this that's very beautiful. crazy thing of like, hey, I'm going to try out for The Voice. And I knew I wasn't going to get through, like whatever. But just that I tried it and and the, the some, there was something good that came of it. And it was that I went, you know what? I can say I've tried out for The Voice. That's something a lot of people can't say they've tried.
3: Yeah,
1: that's so cool. And I mean, the thing is, I think feel like the U.S. really doesn't get Kate. No I mean they are a lot of fans in the u s but still like she's not even close to be as popular as she's in Europe. I don't know why what's wrong with Americans. I'm sorry but like, oh
2: no it's it's okay. I've been wondering that too like, but I think a lot of it why she doesn't have as why she's not a household name like she is over on your end of the world yeah. is that she didn't tour here. she wasn't. A British artist yeah. who is interested in courting American audiences. I mean, you can see it this time. She did the Night That's Flight true. interview, and like, no wonder. I wouldn't want to be there. <laughs> <laughs> the
1: most iconic interview to ever exist. For like, real, this woman needs.
2: <laughs> I mean, I get it. You were. Best, it like, wasn't. You know, in the time of Wikipedia, you could quickly like Google stuff. I mean, I mean, come on, like. I, so I think
1: it's so like peak 2000s when you were telling me that you tried to record the song because you couldn't get it anywhere I feel mm-hmm. so privileged right now when I was just like oh yeah I can just look it up on Spotify and listen to it and like get
3: into her wow <laughs> that, that's a lot
2: <laughs> yeah it, it, I had to go through a lot to try and get it and I'm I'm really glad that I did and and just even like sometimes if I'm in the right mood especially like with some of the stuff I've been going through lately, I've been through going through a lot of personal changes and I've been feeling like, Oh God, I don't know what's on the other side of this. I don't know if things are going to turn out well. And I just remember I actually played this song the other day and I started crying during the last course. You know, I just know that something good is going to happen. I feel like, okay, you know what? I just got to get through this. Everything's going to be okay.
1: You know what, what I love about Kate's music is like the positivity, but like, it's not like a fake positivity. Like, As I mentioned earlier, when she said things are going to be all right, you can really feel it. Uh I mean, it it sounds kind of cheesy, but it's also with her music because she has this really optimistic point of view from the world. I mean, House of Love could have also ended very differently when another artist would have done it. I mean, not that any other artist could have done it, but you know, like from the whole story of the woman drowning, and I mean, the morning fog, it's a beautiful ending but it's mm. a positive one, like when she's telling all her loved ones. I mean, other artists would be like, yeah, she knows she, she was drowning and nobody cared. But Kate was like, no, let's end this one on a good note. So, yeah, thank you, Kate.
5: I know. <laughs> <laughs> this was very special to me because it was all inspired by a book that I'd found years ago. And uh, I went into a bookshop I used to go into regularly and just saw this. I like the title. It said, a book of dreams, and uh, took the book off the shelf. I'd never done it before, an unknown book. And uh, it was this beautiful story by this guy called Peter Reich. And it's all about his view of his father, but through the eyes of a child. So it was all about his childhood and how he saw his father as this incredibly magical figure. And... uh, His father was Wilhelm Reich, and he was a very respected psychoanalyst, I believe. Um, But his work became controversial, and he was eventually arrested and died in prison. But um, one of the things that features in the book is how he used to go with his father cloud-busting. And uh, his father had this machine that, uh, when you pointed it up to the sky, you could make the clouds disperse, or you could gather them together and if you gathered them together, it would rain. And um, the machine was all based on organ energy, which was one of the basis of uh, Reich's teachings. And the book is just extraordinary. It's so sad, but it's also got this beautiful kind of happy innocence that goes with childhood. And as the guy grows up in the book, it does get sadder and sadder as you can feel him hanging on to his childhood. And uh, the book really touched me. And the song is is really trying to, to tell that story.
2: All right. So the story behind the song I find particularly interesting, <laughs> um, especially when I kind of dig into who this guy is that she wrote the song about. So the song oh. is about the very close relationship between the psychologist and philosopher Wilhelm Reich and his young son, and the song is told from the point of view of his son. It describes the boy's memory of his life with Reich on their family call, farm called Organon, where the two spent time, quote, cloudbusting a rainmaking process which involved pointing at the sky, a machine designed and built by Reich called a cloudbuster. The lyric further describes... Willem Reich's abrupt arrest and imprisonment, the pain of loss the young Peter felt and his helplessness at being able to protect his father. And all of this was inspired by Peter Reich's 1973 memoir, A Book of Dreams, which Kate Bush read and obviously moved her enough to write a song about it. And she's talked about it extensively in interviews as well. And fun fact, she actually contacted Peter Reich to tell him that she was writing a song about this book and he replied a little while later and said hey i love what you're doing keep up the good work <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's in willem reich yeah so what do you got about willem reich because man is he an interesting person <laughs> oh my goodness
0: he was a psychologist a psychiatrist and uh among and he also did the, he also built that cloudbuster and like conceptualized the whole idea of organ, of uh O- organ energy um mm-hmm. according to wikipedia um an austrian doctor of medicine and psycho- psychoanalyst a member of the second generation of analysts after sigmund freud and he wrote several influential books uh, yeah, yeah. He, he became one known as the most as one of the most radical figures in the history of psych- psychiatry so uh, yeah his, his early work was in austria where he, he was born and lived in but, but in the late 30s he escaped the Nazis to go to uh, New York and that's when he coined the term uh, organ um, taken from orgasm and organism uh, for biological energy that he said he discovered um, the same kind of energy that others according to him called God so after I started building uh, organ accumulators uh, uh, and apparently stuff that apparently um, uh, harness the health benefits of the organ energy and stuff. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and actually, the, so the book this is based on, I, I as of this recording, you I... You told me
0: that
1: you were reading it.
2: Yeah, I started, I read a sample of it on the Kindle app on my iPad, because it's available on Amazon. And then I bought the whole thing so yesterday. Yeah, it's on Amazon. Um, okay. At least it was on the American one. I don't know about, um, I'm assuming it would be on the German one.
1: Probably. I don't know. It It, it, it is. We just trust what it is.
2: But I did start reading some of the book. I haven't, as of this recording, I haven't dug too much into it. I've only read hmm. a couple of forewords and a couple of the um, introductions. To um, it, there's got like two different introductions to this book before you even get to the first chapter because I've got a, an updated version so they have like the preface to the 1988 edition the preface to the 2015 <laughs> edition so it's like all this others and that was just in the sample but yeah it's it's based on a, a book of dreams which was written from the point of view of the son so Peter Reich writing about his his father Wilhelm and it's going to be even more intriguing digging into this book and just his psychology because like the, the cliff notes version of it is like very intriguing. And Kate really doesn't touch on that in the song. It's more, she's going with the, the um, seems to be going with more the emotion of the little boy and watching his father getting taken away. And just like, I get a sense of like this young boy looking at, an adult that he admires and going, wow, he does these all these wonderful, really cool things and just like in awe of him, you know?
1: Yeah, definitely. And I also I think it's also so interesting that she talked so much back in the day about the song. Like to, today I read some articles and she keeps explaining and explaining it. And I also think it's very cool that the actually son really, really loved the music video and the song and thought it was a great tribute to the dead, uh, to his dad, yeah. And what I also is so interesting about Wilhelm Reich is, yeah, oh my God, I just pronounced that one so German. Uh, <laughs> the thing about that's so interesting about him is that later on he was revisited by, you know, the activists of the sexual liberation movement mm-hmm. during the late 60s. I mean, his whole point was that all illnesses that a human can experience are due to unsettled fight sexual desires and I think that's definitely questionable but what yeah. I really think is interesting is that this idea is also that you can get knowledge and enlightenment through sexuality mm-hmm. and I really had to think like doesn't set in your lab exists like Kate I see what you did there and I think it's really cool that this is also a topic that she already had explored and now she's giving a platform to talk about this man and what he did and also with such a compassionate point of view, when, like, the son is talking about his father. And I mean, also, how often she uses the word daddy in, like, the song that was also something that wasn't that, wasn't happening that often. So, yeah. Lana Del way better take notes. Yeah, I don't know what I wanted to say with that one. <laughs> but, yeah, I think it's really cool that she shows us this one. And, I mean... I was reading about that she carried that story for like 10 years because before she released cloud busting so it really must have gotten to her
3: mm-hmm. that she
1: so desperately wanted to create a song about it because usually I mean when you want to write a song for like 10 years it really means something to you I mean mm-hmm. I only can assume
3: but yeah
0: why she took so long from from reading at least for the first time and then finally like writing um. Uh, finally, writing and uh, recording um, the song for it, which became cloud-busting. Uh, maybe she, maybe she did like uh, write um, um, a song about it, it as one of her really early songs, but like she didn't like it and she like waited with with it or something, and just uh, at some point like in the 80s, something just reminded of uh, reminded her of it, and she thought, hey, that's a good idea to write a song about, it. and she just wrote, wrote a song about it, and that was mm-hmm.
2: Well, I mean, Kate has a tendency to uh, to encounter something and then years later write a song about it, like Delius. I mean, she saw that movie about Delius when she was a kid, and it didn't even turn into a song until uh, Never Forever. Yeah. So she's, also- she has a tendency to, to kind of yeah. let things germinate for a while and then suddenly yeah. go, oh, wait, oh, hi, I want to write about that. Woohoo.
0: Yeah. And even ring Heights*. Um, she mm-hmm. she watched that um uh, t- a television movie in uh, the late sixties and all that, and she, would, uh, and the young girl and nothing happened which she didn't write about. It. And then like in nineteen seventy seven, she was started putting when she started pr- properly putting together the kick inside. Just so something happened, something reminded her, her maybe lightning stroke or whatever. Do they know? she started writing it.
2: Yeah, I almost kind of think of this as. I wonder if part of why Kate was so drawn to yeah. this story is maybe because of her own relation, her relationship with her own father. I mean, her father was a doctor and he also showed her yeah. how to play. He showed her middle C on the piano and just let her go with it and let her yeah. create her magical songs.
1: Well, that's true. But on the other hand, uh, her father was also, I think, pretty beloved by everyone around. And I think in that story, the outside world there is that sees his father as this like evil person. Meanwhile, Kate Bush's father was adored by a lot of people. Sure. But I, yeah, I can definitely see yeah, see the that it's. I don't know. I don't know how to put it in words. But she uses this metaphor talking about the specific relationship to just say something about human relationships especially between um, parents and children, yeah.
4: I still dream of Volga I wake up crying
5: You're making rain at you're just in reach When you can see sleep escape me you like my yo-yo
4: that glowed in the dark. What made it special, made it dangerous. So I bury it and forget. A book of dreams.
2: When I opened my eyes, doctors and nurses were moving around me talking in a strange language. A white sheet was over me. Oh, Jesus Christ. I've been in a dream and suddenly I'm waking up in a strange place. I don't know who I am or where I am or what is happening. What is that language? I closed my eyes, but all there was to see was water, so I opened them again. But I didn't see differently or no more. Sometime, a long time ago, something must have happened and I got amnesia, and now I'm waking up in this hospital. Is it a mental hospital? There was a mental hospital somewhere. My arm began to hurt, so I lay back on the table and tried to relax and remember as much as I could. I was born in New York City on April 3, 1944. My mother and father, Ilsa Ollendorf and Wilhelm Reich, lived at 9906 69th Avenue in Forest Hills. The telephone number was Boulevard 85997. We lived there for a long time and then we moved to Maine. My father was a psychiatrist. When we moved to Maine, he bought a big tract of land and called it Organon. He discovered Oregon energy, which was life energy. He did a lot of experiments with it, and lots of other doctors and scientists came to help. The big thing was the accumulator. It was like a box, and you sat in it, and it made you feel better. I was happy then. A lot of people said my father was a quack. A lot of bad things happened I can't remember. Have you read up a lot about, like, kind of... A little bit of his, where were his his beliefs in organ energy and all that?
1: Yeah, I kind of did, and I thought it was interesting, although I disagree. <laughs> but <laughs> I really think it's such an actually modern belief that he had that it was all about like sexual desire, and when once you free your sexuality, you're also like not getting ill anymore, and that's why I kind of understand that later on the people from the, like, Peace and Love movement were all about about him. But, yeah. And as I mentioned when we are emailing back and forth that he was also friends with Sigmund Freud. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you can tell from his obscure ideas, but later on Freud rejected them, as far as I can remember, because it was too weird. So, yeah. And I also read something that really got to me. is I don't know if you read about that. Uh, what happened with his parents? Do you know about the incident?
2: I do not. I haven't gotten to that part of the book
1: yet. Okay, then. So, let me tell you. And it was that his mom had, like, a lover. And he caught them. And then he told his dad about it. And he confronted her. And then um, his mom actually committed suicide. And later on, his dad died of a broken heart within the course of a year. So, he wasn't orphan all, all suddenly. And I... <laughs> When I was reading it, I was really like, oh my God, that's so tragic.
3: Mm
1: -hmm. Like, it was also so random because he already got all this crazy stuff going on and then it's like, yeah, he exposed his mom and later on both his parents were dead. And I'm like, that's straight up out of the movie. Like, you can't Mm -hmm. make this up. but, but But it's true. And that's why I kind of feel like know that like later on when he died and his son was left behind i feel like i don't know it's kind of felt like history repeating itself but then again the whole positive i don't know if kate knew about it i mean we can only speculate but maybe she knew about it and i don't kind of the song is also about redemption and like still choosing to have a positive outlook on life but maybe that's a little bit too far out of my taken from my imagination, but I don't know. How do you feel about what I said? Like, does it make any sense? Or yeah,
2: in 1940, uh, he started building organ accumulators, devices that his patients sat inside to harness the reputed health benefits, leading to newspaper stories about sex boxes that cured cancer.
0: <laughs> difficult.
2: <laughs> That's like, like I said, an interesting person. <laughs> Yeah, basically uh, what he was all uh. about trying to harness a sexual energy and yeah. he claimed he could produce rain by manipulating what he called Oregon energy present in the atmosphere. No peer reviewed scientific evidence exists to support either the effectiveness of the device or the existence of the hypothesized organ energy. It was intended to be used as a way similar to a lightning rod, focusing it on a location in the sky and grounding it in some material that was presumed to absorb organs, such as a body of water, would draw the orgon energy out of the atmosphere, causing the formation of clouds and rain. Reich conducted dozens of experiments with the Cloudbuster, calling the research Cosmic Oregon Engineering. And it all of this was done at his home in Maine. Now I was hoping for this episode that I would actually get to go to Maine to visit, because there is a museum, and his home his home has been turned into a museum. And I thought, well. Wow, nice road trip except that I haven't gotten to do that yet maybe for a later episode like special episode because it's up in Maine it's a little bit out of the way of things. Maine is actually one of the least populated uh, one of the least populated states in the United States. Not a lot of stuff around. Um, The Cloudbuster though the way they did it in the video and how it looked in real life was pretty similar. They did a really good job. In fact, the guys who worked on Alien actually helped devise the... Yeah, uh, I
0: know. It was really cool.
2: And so a Cloudbuster consists of an array of parallel hollow metal tubes, which are connected at the rear to a series of flexible metal hoses, which are equal or slightly similar in diameter to the parallel tubes. Alternatively, the rear of the tubes are joined together to a single large diameter pipe and flexible metal hose. The open end of these hoses are placed in water, which Reich believed to be a natural organ absorber. The pipes can be aimed into areas of the sky to draw energy to the ground like a lightning rod. And the remains of one of these cloudbusters can be seen at the his home museum in Rangeley, Maine. And I'm gonna put up a picture, so you got like link to this, so you guys can see like, what the heck I'm talking about? Cause it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool looking like, whoa. but although fun fact though uh during a drought in 1953 two farmers in maine offered to pay him if he can make it rain to save their blueberry crop reich used a cloudbuster on the morning of july 6th and according to bangers daily news based on an account from an anonymous eyewitness who is probably his son peter reich Rain began to fall that evening, the crop survived, the farmers declared themselves satisfied, and Reich received his fee. What kind of stuff does your dad do? He dropped his yo-yo into a long sleep. I swung my yo-yo around the world, and when I got back, walked the doggy. Well, actually, we're on an atmospheric research expedition. An expedition? Wow! He flipped his yo-yo back into his hand. Yeah, and you see, we've got this machine called a cloudbuster, but it isn't really a machine, and we use it to make rain. My dad, he decided to come down here and break the drought. Daddy always said not to brag, but I was just telling. You mean you can really make it rain? Sure. Last year, when we were back east in Maine, there was a drought, and all the blueberries were drying up. You know, that's where they grow blueberries. Yeah? He palmed his yo-yo and listened. "'Yeah, so these blueberry growers heard about the Cloudbuster and called my dad up. They said they'd give him $10,000 to make it rain.' "'Wowie!' said Ray, shaking his head. "'10,000 bucks is a lot of money. Did you make it rain?' I swung around the horn. It wasn't bragging, it was just telling the truth. Besides, I'd never tell him about the flying saucers. "'Yep, 24 hours after we worked the Cloudbuster, it started the rain.' The weather bureau had said there wouldn't be any rain for a couple of days and then wham the yo-yo slapped back into my hand just as the bell rang and we started back toward the school building well gee your dad must be pretty rich then if he can go around making rain for money especially out here he grinned well we're not really rich you see there's a problem with the government the government yeah they don't believe it works so they're giving my dad a hard time about it it's kind of complicated wow Well, do you think I could come over sometime and look at the cloud thing? Yeah, I guess so. She really doesn't touch on them in this song, other than the references to glowing in the dark and a yo-yo, which I thought was kind of strange. When I first heard it, I'm like, okay, what's with the yo-yo what? And it's... yo yo yo. um but and it's because part of his i mean yeah he believed in something called organ energy it was sexual energy and it was like a life force and part of the deal with the cloud busting with the cloud busters was that it was supposed to make it rain and bring down more of this energy into the world after letting ray off the bus made a few more stops and then swung back onto the main road for a while before it turned on to our road. I got my jacket and boots together and walked up to the front of the bus when we got near our ranch. The bus driver was a big strong man with curly blonde hair. He looked like the kind of muscle man they showed at the end of comic books, and the muscles in his arms rippled as he stared around the last corner before our place. I leaned down and saw the cluster of pipes from the cloud buster sticking up between the hard green palo verde leaves. The bus stopped right by the gate, and instead of opening the door, the driver turned around and looked at me. Hey, he said, I've been meaning to ask you, what is that thing with the pipes? The lines around his nose dropped into a sneer around his mouth. We call it a cloudbuster, I said, starting down the steps to get off. A cloudbuster?" He grinned. There was a black space between two of his teeth. He turned away, leaned forward on the steering wheel, and looked back at the cloudbuster. From where the bus was, he could see the whole truck with the platform on the back, the black square base, the cables leading up to the pipes, and the spinning wave on the side of the truck. He noted, nodded. A clodbuster, huh? No, I said. A cloudbuster. Well, uh, what do they use this clodbuster for? He held one hand on the door opening lever like he wouldn't open until I told him. Uh, we use it for atmospheric research. Can I get out, please? Atmospheric research? Ha! what's that he grinned well uh, it's for an experiment in weather control i stepped down until i was right in front of the door he nodded and grinned again oh i see that there clod controls the weather huh well just don't bust any of my clods ha ha his big hand pulled back on the lever and the door swung open i stepped down into the dust he held the door open and looked at me with his mouth open then he said well take it easy clod buster and slammed the door and he would sell these these special boxes that he claimed could cure cancer. And the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, went, hey, wait a minute, you're trying to sell these things saying they're going to cure cancer. We're calling bullshit on that. Hey, you're trying to sell these. We can't have that. And so that's why he – that's ultimately why he was arrested. And we get to see that in the video and then, you know, in the song, that he got taken away by the government. He died in jail in the late 50s and – the part of his beliefs were that the um anything that glowed in the dark, as I understand it, as best I can, because I, I still kind of like just wrapping my head around psychology stuff. It's like uh, it's that he f- he felt that anything that gl- glowed in the dark was not natural and not real.
1: Yeah. So
2: that's why. Pence, to
1: bu- so the Pence, sun had to bury it.
2: I felt around in the sand near the base of the tree until I found the buried metal plate. I dug the sand away from the plate and lifted it up. Beneath it was a small hole in the ground. I reached into the hole carefully, because there might be scorpions, and took out a small bundle wrapped in black banana skins. I laid the bundle on the metal plate and slowly unwrapped the bright green glow-in-the-dark yo-yo. It was a beautiful bright yo-yo, and I was sorry I couldn't play with it. I slipped the loop over my finger to do a few whirls with it, but then I remembered that Daddy said it was bad for me. I put it back into the metal plate and went into the kitchen for water. I poured the water into the hole to loosen up the dirt, and then I started digging. Daddy said I had to bury the -the glow-in-the-dark yo-yo because the glow stuff was deadly, just like fluorescent light. Glow-in-the-dark light was bad energy, and it didn't mix with organ energy, which was good energy. Daddy was trying to kill the bad energy in the atmosphere. Bad energy came from flying saucers and bombs. The Cloudbuster cleaned the atmosphere of the deadly organ, we called it D-O-R, and fought the flying saucers. Only we called the flying saucers EAs. It was initials. The E stood for something, and the A stood for something. Daddy told me what it was, but I forgot. We had names for a lot of stuff. The EA's energy was like glow-in-the-dark energy, and it made us sick. We were all sensitive to strange energy things, especially my sister Ava. Fluorescent light was really bad, and Ava could never understand how people survived in office buildings with dead light energy. The same with glow-in-the-dark watch styles and television. It got so that Ava could tell if someone was wearing a glow-in-the-dark watch just by feeling the energy around him. She could feel TV that way, too, and it made her sick. She was the one who spotted my green glow-in-the-dark yo-yo. One day when I came near her, she felt funny and got a little green herself. She asked me what I was wearing and where I'd been. Then I took out the glow-in-the-dark yo-yo and started yo-yoing, and she almost fainted. That was when Daddy said I had to bury it. You know, it's you're like my yo-yo that glowed in the dark, what made it special made it dangerous. That he's equating yeah. this, this toy he had that, yeah, what made it really cool is that it could glow in the dark, and that my dad is like this toy, that what made him special yeah. was, oh, yeah, he can make it rain and we do all these cool things. Sciency things and wait that's made him a dangerous person and that's where he gets taken away And its you have to do kind of know a little bit about some of the backstory to really get those lines otherwise it's like okay why are you talking about a yo-yo huh <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah and this word is also like so weird like yo-yo like I can't take this word seriously but <laughs> Me it's used in the song so we have to like yo-yo but yeah I mm-hmm. definitely think that's kind of a allegory if i'm using that word correctly that like what like you already said that it's basically his father like what made him so special and what he also really loved about his father was seen as a threat to from to from i don't know by other people yeah by other people and that's why but the difference is that he can't get his father back and
3: mm-hmm. so
1: that's why he keeps on preaching in the song that. Something good is gonna happen and I kinda of felt like and also because in the music video in the end it's starting to rain, that maybe he's believing that his father is coming back. Like maybe coming back back from the dead and that he's like really preaching to himself like something good is going to happen. And this would be his father returning.
2: And it was let's see, over the years the FDA, so the Food and Drug Administration Interviewed physicians, Reich's students, and his patients asking about the Oregon accumulators. A professor at the University of Oregon who bought an accumulator told an FDA inspector that he knew the device was phony, but found it helpful because his wife sat quietly in it for four hours every day. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And yeah, all of his writings were done. He was self-published because uh, nobody wanted to publish it widely. (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. And let's see. The attention of the FDA triggered belligerent responses from Reich, who called them HIGS's hoodlums in government and the tool of red fascists. He developed a delusion that he had powerful friends in the government, including Eisenhower, who he believed would protect him. And so that the he
0: thought. Let me get it. Ooh. He, thought, he thought that. He thought that. He thought. He, he thought that the communists in the U.S. government were trying to get him. Yes. Oh.
2: Like I said, interesting person. Uh,
0: yeah. <laughs>
2: uh, and also, he believed that the U.S. Air Force was flying over Oregon to make sure that he like, was all right. Th-
0: Things think, that the reactionaries say that would be awesome if they were true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> except, except, except from getting him, the Pope had just wrote some uh, po- possibly likely bullshit or probably not bullshit stuff about um. Uh, uh, about um, stuff that like makes stuff framed and psychology and stuff. So nice stuff. Uh, uh, cool cool for, people, for people who believe in it. Maybe if it is true, it's cool. Why, 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 why rest and why burn these books?
2: Dust was still settling on the shiny black hood as I came out the door, squinting in the sunlight. There were three men in the car, two in front and one in back. They wore shiny, thin neckties and white shirts and dark suits. Their faces were shiny and their eyes weren't good. The man next to the driver leaned out the window. He stretched his hand out to me. In it was a little black leather wallet with a shiny badge in it. The man said he was a United States Marshal. These other men are Food and Drug Administration agents. We'd like to see Dr. Reich. I looked into the window. Holding my teeth together made me braver and look more like Gary Cooper or somebody. The agents didn't move. The one in the back nodded. I straightened up and looked at the Marshal. His suit was lumpy. Maybe he had a gun next to his armpit. It would smell bad. I just kept looking at the men without answering. Finally, the marshal said, uh, we called. Okay, but you'll have to wait until I go in and call. It's by appointment only, you know. Yes, well, uh, like I say, we called. I think the doctor is expecting us. Well, I still have to call to let him know you're here. It will take just a minute. The marshal nodded. Trying not to run, I turned and went back into the lab. I had to be calm and slow. My hand touched every nail in the aluminum molding on every table as I walked through the lab to the telephone, looking back to watch the black car, and brave. The sun was a yellow dot on the black car trunk. The men were talking. One of them turned around and looked out of the window at the lab. I held the receiver down with one hand and cranked with the other, two longs and a short, two longs and a short. Then I picked up the receiver. It shook, so I squeezed it harder. Daddy picked up in the observatory. Yeah? Pete? Daddy, they're here. One is a U.S. Marshal and the two others are... Yeah, I know. Now tell them. Outside, the sun started to slip off the trunk of the black car. The car was rolling. It couldn't be rolling uphill. Daddy's voice squiggled and the sun dropped all the way off the car into swirls of dust and tears. Daddy, they didn't wait! Tears tangled my words, making the receiver wet and shiny. The car disappeared around the side of the lab up the hill. Daddy, they're coming up! Oh, Daddy! Oh, God! They didn't wait! They're coming up, Daddy! They're coming up! The screen door slammed before the receiver hit the floor. Grass was already whipping my legs as I ran up the hill. The whole field was swimming, and I cried, uh, every time I breathed out, and it made it easier to run uphill.
4: Every time...
5: did all fall apart over a, a period of about 10 bars, and everything just started falling apart because it didn't end properly, and, you know, the drummer would stop, and then the strings would just sort of start wiggling around and talking, and uh, I felt it needed an ending, and I didn't really know what to do, and then I thought maybe decoy tactics were the way, and we covered the whole thing over with a, the sound of a steam engine slowing down so that you had the sense of the journey coming to an end. And it worked. It covered up all the falling apart and actually made it sound very complete in a way. And uh, we had terrible trouble getting um, a sound effect of a steam train. So um, we actually made up the sound effect out of uh, various sounds. And Del was the steam. (laughs) And uh, you know we got a whistle on the fair night for the poo-poo.
2: This song structurally doesn't have that it's actually pretty simple to play it's on one of my favorite keys c sharp minor i love it and i mean production wise there there's the drums there's her voice there's strings and then backing vocals and that's about it there's it sounds but to me though it sounds more it sounds more complex maybe just because of like the the military type drums with her vocal melody and then it da 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 yeah. da, 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 you know, da da
0: but behind behind yeah, also it's pro- probably like most of like the layers were probably like kind of like set um, uh, in the back of the mix like barely audible like I I know only like after like plenty of listens to it I noticed that like along with the Lindrum percussion I, uh, the they're like drum passing for them on the Lindrum. Um, th- there's also some, someone, uh, um, so- someone uh, go playing this bass on a, on a bunch of uh, Tom Toms, mm-hmm. uh, and back like, to something like that. And, and it's quite, really quite. Tom Toms are bonkers. I don't, can't really tell. And, um, yeah, it's, it takes a while to actually notice. Yeah,
2: the drums were from uh, Stuart Elliott and Charlie Morgan. And strings from the Medici sex- Sextet. And the song was arranged for strings by Dave Lawson, who's worked with Kate before. And backing vocals from both of her brothers, Patty and John, Del and Brian Bath. And, of course, lovely Kate singing with herself, of course. Yeah. But beautiful, just absolutely beautiful song. it's it is so specific to the story but there's just like I said there's a lot of them there's so much emotion for me in it and the chorus especially like I just it's I just know that something good is gonna happen and there I know that part got sampled by Utah Saints in the early 90s and it's super catchy and that part especially just really sticks out for me and like I just have to remember that like I just when stuff is going wrong, I just know that something good is going to happen. I know something's going to something good is going to come out of this. Even though, yes, that line is very much tied to Peter talking about his father, and hoping that things are going to get better. It still for me resonates with me. If that makes any sense.
1: Uh, I also love the usage of rain because I don't know. To me, like this rain is also about eventiveness, but I also think that it's kind of a sign of rebirth and like all religions, every time it's 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 raining, something is growing again. But so mm-hmm. maybe the son is really talking about that. His father is going to come back to life. And if that is the case, it's somehow did because not only he wrote that book later on about his father, but also we are now talking about him just because Kate wrote a song. So she is con- tri- contributing something to that, that, the son, that the father's coming back to life. Because we are now talking about him, even though he's dead for like 60 years. So I think maybe that's also part of the whole story about resurrection. Because I also felt like it's the last song on Hounds of Love before the ninth wave kicks off. And I feel like on the first half of the record, love is presented as this kind of hopeless, anxiety-ridden thing. And in Cloud Busting, there's some kind of hope, but You really don't, but the son or the protagonist don't really believe it. He's just saying it. Something good is going to happen, but he's not sure. But then when you look at the whole story of like this woman drowning and like everything that is going on, and in the end, she survives and then she goes out in the world and wants to tell all her loved ones that she's made it. I mean, in the Morning Fog, it says uh, like something about being born again. So maybe that's. A topic this song is also discussing yeah that was a lot of me talking but i hope it made any sense
2: <laughs> no it did and also like from a from a kind of music nerd standpoint this is in c sharp minor but then modulates to its major equivalent e major in the chorus you know for every time it rains and it's just something about E major to me, at least, sounds very hopeful. It's also a key that a lot of religious hymns tend to be written in, and it's yeah. it's a very bright kind of key, probably because it's got four sharps in it. And the it just yeah, it, especially it goes up for every time it rains. You're here in my head, and because he's remembering being with his father and this was something used to go out and just make it rain but every time
1: Yeah, definitely. And it's also later saying like your sons coming out, your sons coming out. So
3: mm-hmm.
1: I don't know. I really stick to my theory about rebirth. Like I think Kate wanted to tell us something with that so. one <laughs> about that topic because it's so. I don't know. It, like the whole thing about when he's preaching it to himself, it's so you can't miss really miss it in the song, and the song the two songs that i'm now comparing are not related but like influence and the machine's third eye when it's saying like i'm the same i'm the same i'm trying to change it really <laughs> reminded me of that one
3: mm-hmm. although those
1: songs deal with different topics but i also love that one for motivation to be honest <laughs> so yeah it's so preachy and On the one hand, for us listeners, it's really like, yeah, it it empowers me. But maybe it's also just a very sad outcry from this child, believing everything his father told him, and also believing that his father could come back from the dead.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. So maybe it's just maybe it's just a really sad story, and we just are like, oh, that's empowering me. But but maybe that's the beauty of it that it's actually a sad story, but it's transformed. Through art into something positive yeah
2: <laughs> yeah well I feel like yeah it, it is a, it's a, this young boy whose father's been taking a what taken away from him and and that is sad but it does sound very hopeful <laughs> it really does and it's especially the way she sings I don't know when but just saying it could even make it happen the first time she sings it through it feels kind of a little bit hesitant And then by the time she gets to the chorus again and she sings that line, like the way she breaks off that note, there's no vibrato. It just like, it sounds like almost a little, like she's about to cry.
4: I don't know when, just it it
2: and then by the end, it feels like a howl, but just saying it couldn't even make it happen. And like, she does that same she cuts off that note the same way she did in the second the second time she sang through the chorus but it just it sounds even louder and stronger like she's trying to convince herself that yes it is something good is indeed going to happen he's going to come back and I'm going to get to see him and we can reconnect
1: Yeah, definitely. I think it's also so interesting that the song is not even like like going for like less than 10 minutes, but like there's already a progress because, like you said, in the beginning it's really like I think it's gonna be good after he's gone, and then it's like so. But I don't know if it's about reconnecting or moving on. What do you think? What is it? Is it about reconnecting with the father, or is it about somewhat moving on and having his Spirit, let's call it spirit, still with you. What I think you it's
2: think? a little bit of both. He wants him to come back, but like kind of the by the end, like realizing that maybe this isn't maybe he isn't coming back, and so I have to have I have to move on and go shine without him. Hence the your sun's coming yeah. out. But then of course there's a little play on words, like sun is in the sun shining, and then sun is in yeah. a. uh uh, a male um, child.
1: That's also something that I love about the song so much is that you have this kind of, even though you listen and listen to the songs, they are not every answer you have is like, answer, not every question you have is answered. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also something that I love about Kate's music is that it makes you think, and when you think you got an answer, you're like, do I really have an answer? So yeah, that's, I love this song so much. You know, every time, like, people say perfection doesn't exist, and I'm like, well, yeah, but then I'm like, you know, Cloudbusting is kind of a perfect song because it's catchy, it has a beautiful story told, and it's also empowering, and I don't know if pop music, if you want to label it as as, as pop music, can do really much more. So... I'm really, really liking this song. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if I, if I would say it's my favorite, because right now I'm kind of in a phase where I'm like, what's my favorite Kate Bush song? I just don't know. I used to know. It was also winding up that hill, but now I'm just like, can I just say like the entire 45 minutes of like a sky full of honey, but then it's like, that's not a song, but like, yeah, that's another topic <laughs> to talk
2: about. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. But I really, really love the song and I think it's also really cool, um, the ending. Yeah, I wanted to ask you how you feel about the last three lines like I'm cloud busting daddy, your son's coming out, your son's coming out. How what do you think is meant when with those?
2: So I think of the, that first line you were cloudbusting daddy, is him remembering going out with the cloudbuster and trying to, and making it rain. So he's remembering, he's remembering a happy memory of being with his father and
6: no.
2: your son's coming out. I think that can be taken a couple different ways and. The way that I've interpreted, and I could be completely wrong. Feel, you know, audience, feel free to throw tomatoes my way if you think it's wrong. Um, <laughs> is I'm that, going
1: to yell if I think it's wrong.
2: <laughs> the way I think of it is like that. Um, your sun is coming out. Is in like when when people kind of think of like a sunny day, they think of something happy, and that. He, he made it rain and he had that, that wonderful memory of being with his father and the son is is that, yeah, now the, the storms the storms we're, we're making are lifting and things are going to, maybe things are going to be okay. And for your son's coming out, I feel like that's, he's coming out with a store, with a book or like explaining what it was like to grow up with him and I know you okay. could also take that to be, and I know some people have interpreted that as, as somebody actually coming out of the closet. It's it's also like he's coming out with this, "Hey, I'm going to share oh, your your my stories with the world. I'm going to come out into the world with what the memories that I have of you."
3: Yeah. Well, How about
2: you?
1: How I do think you interpret that? Well, I'm glad you're asking me that one. <laughs> um, I have another interpretation, although I like the both you mentioned. And maybe I feel like this one is about that he's you now finally becoming his own person, when it's like your son's coming out. And also when the Böse Hall, I'm cloud busting. It's kind of like I'm, I don't know I'm making it rain. You know, like in the also it's in the music video. In the end, it's raining, and it's kind of like I fulfilled your prophecy and yeah, and now I'm able to move on. So to me, it's kind of like, I'm becoming this person. And then he's like, um, like your son's coming out. You know, Uh I can be kind of a, I can be maybe a, a father to someone else because I'm now finally able to let go because I know that, um, you know, I, I've written a book about it and now in. And stuff like that, and people rediscovered you, so it's kind of like you are more alive than ever. And I can just, you know, I can just, I can let go. But I also think that it's not completely, um, it's not com- completely resolved because then the album would would be over because there's still this little questioning. Is the love? You know, House of Love is like the title of saying all about all about all kinds of love and. The whole thing is, to, at least to me, this is—is is it all worth it? And it's not completely resolved on cloud busting. I mean, it's like, yeah, there's hope, and yeah, I know you are alive, but there's still this questioning. And when House of Love really ends, it's kind of like, yeah, it's all real. I gotta tell my brothers, my father, my mother, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's what we are going to get on the ninth wave. And I think it's really cool that she's putting out all those songs that are also perfectly working as singles, to just explore this deeper, because the she um, well, immediately she wants to know the answers. I think you were also talking about that one in the Winding Up That Hill episode, that this urge to get an answer right now. Like, is it worth it? Like,
3: mm-hmm. can
1: you understand me? I think that's really cool. Yeah.
2: I love that this was a single. I love that this was a song you could have just you, you could hear on the radio. And Yeah. So, a couple of, when I was a teenager, I guess kind of before I really knew who mm-hmm. Kate was, I found a compilation yeah. CD of greatest hits from the year I was born, so 1985, and Running Up That Hill and cloud okay. Busting were on there. And
6: well, <laughs> listening
2: to that compilation with all the other 80s hit songs around cloud busting cloud busting really stands out yeah it's like
3: no,
2: that's true. it's all you get all the like the like funk or whatever that was popular and then you get to dum 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 yeah. and it's like whoa yeah. wait a minute this is different
1: hey it feels really timeless. It feels like it can transcend the 80s, and I mean that's something that people have later criticized on the web Shoes, that it sounded very like 90s, and but like people are like House of Love, you can listen to it. I mean, although there are some times you can he- listen that it's from the 80s, but I think it's more of a timeless class. No, no, and um, no. I just wanted to say that I I get it because I think, for example, like. Running up that hill. Some tunes in it are like very 80s, and like the drums, mm. but still, just the whole thing. You know, the whole concept album is so. I don't. I can't compare it really to anything. I mean, there's some people that did it later, but the way she did it is really like she. She opened a lot of um, gates, gates, especially for female artists, in terms of you know what you are able to create and also what you are able to express as a female like singer songwriter at least from what i have could see
2: yeah for sure and certainly i look at her and and go wow you have made all this wonderful art and you have shown that you can write about something that's not just another oh, boy meets girl kind of love song. <laughs> yeah. That you can you can make, even makes the ordinary seem extraordinary. So yeah, this was released as the second single from the album on October 14th, 1985. And had a couple of different formats that it was released in. I always find these, I like reading about these because it, it's fascinating to me. <laughs> Um, It was released as a 7-inch single and a 12-inch single in the UK and Europe. What's interesting is that if you bought the 7-inch, you got one song on the B-side. And then if you got the 12-inch, you got a completely different thing. If you bought the 7-inch single of Cloudbusting, you got the B-side Burning Bridge. And if you got the 12-inch single, you had the extended Organon remix of Cloudbusting, which I also love listening to. (laughs) and then in addition you got burning bridge and the acapella my leg love on the b-side so that was just in the uk and europe but then in the united states the single didn't come out until 1986 and the seven inch here featured the man with a child in his eyes on the b-side it's like whoa okay we're going back like eight years then the 12-inch single uh interesting little fact here Ten years, uh,
0: actually okay. actually um if we're going by dates of recording we're going back 10 years because
2: i did realize That, was that one of the, yeah i meant like with with release but yeah you are right yep.
0: yeah
2: like 10 years um but then the 12-inch single for cloud busting in the united states interesting thing here incorrectly called the extended version of cloud busting the meteorological mix hoops that's supposed to go with big sky and featured the man with the child in his eyes and sat in your lap on the b-side like okay (laughs) we're taking like random kind of stuff and then a promotional cd single was also made featuring both the album version and the extended remix of cloud busting plus the two b-sides now what this says to me is that there have always been people putting out different versions of things depending on where you get them I mean a more modern perspective let's see the how big how blue how beautiful from florence and the machine if you bought it from target you got a couple extra tracks at the end that were only available on that edition if you bought it on itunes you got like four or five extra tracks if you bought it in another place then you got an extra track that wasn't available anywhere else so people have always been doing this kind of thing yeah
0: <laughs> obviously we'll get that in a later episode but um Kate, Kate, which also did it with the, with the whole album. So when, yeah. She, in the first CD release of The Sensual World, uh, she added... Uh, what was that? The bonus track? There.
2: Oh, it was Walk Straight Down what? the
0: Middle. Yeah, it's down in the middle.
2: Yeah, because if you got the CD, because the CD has been... Oh, wait, everything's getting released on CD. We want people to buy the CD. Hey, if you buy the CD, guys, you get an extra track. Hi. Um, There are... Three different versions, actually, of Cloud Busting. So there's the album version, which is identical to the version that would have been played on the radio. It's a single version. There's the video version, which was actually just re- released on CD in 1994. And then the 12-inch remix entitled uh, The Organon Remix, which was put out as on the 12-inch single in 1985 and later on CD, and is also on This Woman's Work the beat the box set that came out and then also the most recent box set of Kate Bush's music that came out last year. And then there's also the live version from before the dawn that everybody's all singing with at the end. So there's okay. There were more like four different versions of this song. So it's, it's gotten different releases in different places. So that's pretty cool.
0: I think there's, there's hardly been like this, uh, at this point, there's like how have been so much like different releases and releases and different versions of like different stuff on any of um, Kate Bush's music since. So I think maybe the kick sideline hearts.
6: is arcadia with election day we're pleased to have in the studio with us today kate bush right kate is in this mtv studios for the very first time as a matter of fact how many times have you visited america
5: this is the third time
6: this is the third time yes all right well as long as we have you here this very talented lady we're going to speak with her We've an awful lot of questions to ask you we brought in your new video tonight cloud busting we've been talking an awful lot about it you know recently here on mtv would you is there anything you want to say to set it up for us before we go right into it
5: well, we spent a lot of work on this. We wanted to treat it as a short piece of film. And it very much tells the story. So I, I just hope people enjoy it.
6: With Donald Sutherland in it. We'll talk about that, too, right after this. This is Cloud Busting, Kate Bush's latest. How did Donald Sutherland become involved in this video,
5: Kate? As I said earlier, we wanted to treat it as a short piece of film. And uh, I, I really wanted to get a great actor for it so that people would understand it was being approached in that way, as well as also having someone that would make the thing more interesting, more dynamic. He was our first choice. We couldn't think of anyone better, and we thought the chances of him doing it were really unlikely, but that it was worth a try. So we got in touch with him and sent him the script and a cassette of the song. And I think he was interested enough in the story and just happened to have those days free when we were shooting to be able to be in it.
6: It's fantastic.
5: It is fantastic. Uh,
6: Actually, the story must have been very strong. I mean, whoever wrote it for you, did you write it yourself?
5: Well, the song is inspired by a book, uh, and so it was that story that we were telling.
6: Is that fairly uh, literal interpretation of it in the video, do you think?
5: I don't know. I wouldn't like to to dare to presume that, but I think we've tried to do definitely the emotive side of it justice.
6: Mm -hmm. Your past videos have always kind of featured uh, wild choreography. This one, of course, there's none in it. Why did you make a change at this point?
5: I think uh, my early videos are very much influenced by dance and theatre. And I think that I'm now tending towards a filmic uh, attitude. I I like the whole way that films are put together, the expression of them. And um, I think that's the way that I'm moving now.
6: And speaking of that, now if you're going into films, do you think you might yourself get involved in acting?
5: I really don't know. Um, I was surprised at how much I enjoyed acting in this video because in a way it's the first time I've acted as such. I've done a lot of different kinds of performing, but um, this was really acting. And uh, it was a lot of fun. Fascinating. (laughs)
2: The music video was directed by Julian Doyle, who is became best known for editing uh, Monty Python's Life of Brian and doing the special effects for Brazil and Time Bandits, which were both Terry Gilliam movies. It was Gilliam who put him in contact with Kate when she was looking for a director for the music video for Cloudbusting. Um, And it was conceived to be a short film. And we have Donald Sutherland who plays Willem Reich and Kate Bush is playing his son. The filming took place at the Vale of White Horse in Oxfordshire, England and the way that Bush got a hold of Sutherland was she found out which hotel where he was staying in from the hairdresser for the actress Julie Christie she went to his room to personally ask him to participate in the project and obviously he was like yeah sure why not (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: that's amazing
2: and I find it interesting too that the music video was shown at some cinemas as an accompaniment to the main feature in the UK. Oh, yeah, yeah like okay, well that's pretty cool. It's first I've heard of like a music video being treated like that. So she was really going for like okay, short movie. I want to do a short film, man?
0: So I, w- I wonder if I wonder if like um, I, I want did did it go like through the like, the videotape process, some technical stuff, but they, when like, I wonder if went through the tape, t- some videotape-based process, or, like, was it all, like, um, f- completely film-based, because, um, mm-hmm. and, like, the, the effects done with an optically with, like, uh, double different optical printing and stuff, because uh, it was shot on film. It was, um, like, su- um, starting from uh, suspended in gaff I think, Um, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. okay, okay, uh, Kate just started um, having a music video shot on film instead, instead of uh, tape, instead of videotape. Um, and uh, maybe to allow more... fit in for filming and to look more professional and something. Um, and uh, I wonder wonder if, if uh, like they were able to like, keep all the quality and all of the, of the original film that was like lost when it was put on tape and stuff.
2: Well, I noticed that at about this time that a lot of music videos were starting to be um, to be shot on film rather than videotape. Um, for example, a couple years before this, the song Vienna by Ultravox. They had a huge UK hit, Reach number 2, was not a hit in the United States. I don't understand why Ultravox were never huge here, but that's a discussion for another time. But that music video. That was from 1981, 82, 81, something like that. Um, that was shot on film. And the band members said that they wanted to shoot it on film because they wanted it to feel more like a mini movie rather than shooting it on videotape, which is what a lot of people, which is what a lot of music video producers in the early 80s started doing. I mean, this was still a very new medium, people kind of figuring out Okay, what are we gonna do and all that? Like it's stuff that we take for granted now. You go on YouTube and you easily find this stuff, and it's all like yeah. You, you can you can make a really professional looking music video on a, an iPhone and everything, but now that it would be shut. I bet it was shut on film because it does look like a little movie.
0: During a filming break, um, uh, I read that like I read that. Um, uh, Kate was taking a smoke, and uh, uh, Donald Sutherland uh, came across her and uh, uh, found her. And uh, I think, and he asked something like, "Do you smoke?" Something like he was surprised at it, and like, like she replied, "I haven't been clean for nine years." Mm
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Like (laughs) you bet I smoke. Yeah.
2: Yeah. She came out of the camper. (laughs) She came out of this camper at eight in the morning, smoking a joint, and I said, "What are you doing?" And she said, "I haven't been straight for eight years." (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> but yeah and also I think what's so cool about us is the whole background story of the music video and I mean the whole way Kate was first off rejected get, getting Donald Sutherland to play the dead and then she's just knocking at his door and he can't even see her because she's so short and I think a lot of interesting things are surrounding that music video
2: yes yeah, you
1: probably know more about that yeah
2: Uh, I think I know one of Zoe's shout out to Zoe one of her favorite stories is Donald Sutherland coming up to her trailer and she's smoking (laughs) a a joint and he's she's like oh I haven't been straight for eight years
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah like this is chaotic energy at its peak and Mm -hmm. I'm really appreciating it because I somewhat still don't know what she was Saying with that one, but
4: yeah,
1: th- that's history. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny that you said that one because it's also in my notes for our conversation. I'm like, yeah, talk about Kate, Kate being stoned mm-hmm. while shooting this mu- music video. Yeah, and uh, it's also so cool because Kate used to be uh, someone else before that m- music video, but I think it's the first time she's actually playing someone else and not just yep. like another version of herself. Yeah, but I think she did a great job, although, like, the whole look is kind of, like, really, like, 80s, like, okay, you are playing a boy, so you have really short hair and wearing a bad, but, yeah, it's
3: working. <laughs>
2: Yeah, this is my absolute favorite Kate Bush song, and I only wish that I could have gotten to go to Before the Dawn and gotten to sing the yay, yay, yo's with everybody else in the audience, <laughs> but that's okay. Same. Uh. Oh, wow.
0: It's been very nearly five years since since the first uh, Before the Dawn concert. It's high time that she released the, the video of it, the, 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 the excuses that she kept getting. At the time, fairly pretty fair that um, it's going to take over the people's memories of it, and like uh, it won't at the because it won't feel because it's so so much more produced and so much more like uh, because of that, uh, it won't really keep a, f- a good keeping people a good a good first memory of the of the concert um, in in people's heads. So. Uh, so it would be a much better idea to just release um, a, a, reco- a, a, a recording, another recording. Um, but yeah, now now I, I don't think I think people's memory of of the memory of whoever managed to get a ticket for it and go go to the concert with them, um, the memories of them have aren't really as clear as they used to be. Like so, I think I think it's time already. But you know. Um, right now, five years is like nothing for kids,
2: yeah. Oh, definitely not.
1: <laughs> I'm also, we, re- I also really like the before the dawn version of the song, and ah. I think it's the last song,
4: right?
2: Yeah, it was the very was last played. song of the entire show. I actually was listening to the album version and that live version back to back on my iPhone when I was driving home <laughs> from doing it. Yeah. From uh, okay. seeing people this afternoon and yeah, I, I yeah. like the live version as well. It's because, and it's, I say this for a lot of the live stuff from the show, that it's her actually singing the song.
1: The first time I heard it because I was not aware of Kate Bush at the time and I was like 13, so I may be excused, but... <laughs> I think it's so brilliant that we, we've got Ariel going and then like Among Angels and then it's like cloud busting and I think on the live version you can also feel like at the end all the people in the crowd singing along and I'm like I wish I was there because that Oh I do too I wish I had been there too uh,
2: but yeah I just it was yeah. the beginning of the school year and I just I couldn't make it work and it was too expensive couldn't do it
1: yeah, but there will be another tour and, you know, we're just saying it and it's going to happen. And yeah, so then we can get, that we will be able to listen to Cloud busting. But yeah, I think it was a perfect closure because it's a song that everyone knew in the audience and it's a song that makes you feel really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you're just like, yeah, I just saw Kate Bush, and now it's over and I'm sad, but like, I've got the memory of her, you know, of that experience and no one can take that one. Oh, well, that's, no, no I'm kind of sad that I wasn't there. But anyways, it's a really cool version. Yeah, I really like it. Me yeah, too. Definitely.
2: beautiful song it's it's one that I liked when I first heard probably on flashback alternatives way way back in the day like a lot of Kate's music and for a while running up that hill was my favorite song but this one it's slowly creeped up and I just it it it's just such a beautiful song it has everything I love about a Kate Bush song in it and yeah that's yay (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so let's see. Any last thoughts about cloud busting? I think we pretty much covered everything.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think so. I don't really have anything on my mind. I think I think that's it.
2: Yep, me too. Well, thank you so much for um, talking with me on the show today, all about cloud busting. It's always great to have you on the show.
0: See, it's, good for it to be, it's great. Yeah, it's good for me to be there too.
2: And uh, uh, where can people find you on Twitter and all that if they agree with what you have to say about cloudbusting? Um uh,
0: My uh, handle, if if you manage to remember that, to to this, it's a pretty, a, it's a pretty obscure, a pretty obscure joke unless you're like a specific something specific, uh, uh, it'll take some time to explain it to. Maybe like. Uh, I'll send private, a private message or like uh, mm-hmm. tweets and like we'll talk about it but yeah. it's 0x D E F 9 E 0 C D it was a pleasure talking
1: to you
2: yeah very much thank you so much for yeah. taking the time to be on the show and especially like getting to talk to you cause like hey Patreon person hey hi <laughs> yeah
1: I'm like hey I want to talk about Kate Bush and I'm like hi I really want to
2: so much for listening to this week's episode of Strange Phenomena, the music of Kate Bush. Wow, we have now made it. (laughs) We've made it through the first side of Hounds of Love. We have concluded with this wonderful song, cloud busting, and you guys got to hear me just fangirling all over this song. And I'm sure that many of you are just as big of fans of this song as I am and as our guests were. But now it's time to flip the record over and start talking about the second side of the album going into the ninth wave. That's gonna be next time. We got some wonderful guests lined up for the second side of the album. We're gonna to get to discuss starting next time and Dream of Sheep, which is, I'm just gonna say it right now, another personal favorite of mine, but we'll get to find out where exactly that ranks there. So we'll see everybody next time for a discussion of and Dream of Sheep. See everybody then.